0: This is D2C Journey. We talk to innovative e-commerce leaders driving the growth of exceptional D2C brands. We dive deep into their stories to bring you powerful perspectives and actionable insights so you can build a more successful e-commerce business. Keep up with us at d2cjourney.com. Let's get started. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Dacia Lutova, and my guest this week is Noel Mack, Chief Brand Officer at Gymshark. Noel is responsible for the global Gymshark brand strategy and brand marketing, with a particular focus on marketing to the digital native through social media, influencer marketing, events, PR, and customer experience. Noel, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Dacia, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. And also, before we talk anything e-commerce or D2C anything, I want to thank you guys, for those people who are listening who don't know... Um, We were doing a, a charity thing at Gymshark. We work really closely with the local women and children's hospital and the guys from Full Fat Commerce donated a huge amount to the hospital for me to come on the podcast. So those are the kind of people at Full Fat Commerce. So thank you for that. And I'm excited to have a conversation.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you're here. So you ran your own brand development agency for almost 10 years before you started at Gymshark, where you had clients like Rock Nation, Ministry of Sound, OVO Sound, and you were consulting to Gymshark as well. Mm -hmm. What did you take away from that experience that you're now using to grow the Gymshark brand?
1: I think the way the music industry markets is unbelievable, right? Like I grew up playing instruments. That's how I ended up doing what I do now and work in the music industry that way. And I think the music industry are always at the forefront of culture, right? And the way they just cut through the noise and hack through marketing, I think brands and businesses can learn so much from what they do. If you know anything about Lil Nas X right now, you understand that he's just a walking viral sensation, right? Like every CMO in the world should, if they could, sit down with Lil Nas X and understand how he's doing what he's doing, right? Because I think it's unbelievable. So I wrote my entire dissertation at university on I called it surreptitious marketing techniques within the music industry. In other words, marketing to people without making them realize they're being marketed to. I no longer see them as surreptitious because like, saying that back now, it feels like they were doing something wrong. Actually, I think it was brilliant, innovative marketing techniques used by the music industry. So we try to use some of that stuff today. That, That definitely plays out in the messages that I send to my team. You know, a lot of the work I do is sort of overarching brand strategy or marketing strategy my guys who actually have hands on with the execution who are way better marketeers than I am when it comes to the actual doing the messages that I always sort of convey to them is about like lateral thinking, cutting through the noise, doing things outside the box, finding the Gymshark way of doing things. In other words, finding a you know, a new way of doing things. And I think I learned all of that from the music industry and the guys, the publicists and everybody else who came before me in music. Cause yeah, I really admire the way those guys do things.
0: Yeah. I mean, what better way to kind of, Figure out what people want than with music, right?
1: Hundred percent. Well, it's just music is culture, right? Like if you
0: mm.
1: if you've been on the internet in the past twenty four hours, you've seen Adele at some point, right? Because she did the audience with Adele in London. She did the thing at the Griffith Observatory in L A. Like Adele is culture right now. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all these memes I'm seeing flying around saying, "I need somebody to break up with me so I can appreciate Adele's album more," right? Or <laughs> A meme saying me driving along in the car crying over the husband and two kids that I don't have all because I'm listening to Adele's <laughs> album like that is culture that's marketing that's that's cutting through the noise mm-hmm. like how many paid ads has, has she ran to do that I'm arguing not many you know what I mean but again it's culture marketing and to me music is culture so there's a lot we can learn from those guys I think
0: yeah and how do you think brands can I mean you're not going to copy it one-to-one just have a meeting about how much culture you're going to create but What tactics do you think that brands, especially startups, D2C brands, can take away from what music is doing right now?
1: I think that something I repeat a lot is you know, if you're listening to this and your startup brand, your D2C brand, or whatever it is, it's not about copying what they do, it's about copying how they think, right? That's the really important part. Record labels have an ability to market products without people realizing they're being marketed to. And I think that's really, really important. The declining efficacy of influencer marketing. Came because people started to realize, oh, hang on, I'm being sold to here. Do you know what I mean? In the early days, it was, I like that girl or guy, he, she, they, and I think they're cool. Oh, and they use that product. So I'll use that product, right? But now it's become, you know, what influencer marketing is today, and it's holding up the, their favorite bottle of water, and the next week they're holding up their other favorite bottle of water. And it, do you know what I mean? And I think the, the second people realize, hang on, I can see the commerciality in this, I know that they've been paid by that brand, blah, blah, blah. blah. The the efficacy of it just was never going to be the same as it was when they thought it was a real organic suggestion, you know. So, yeah, I wouldn't copy what the labels do. I'd copy how they think and see how those practices could play out in your candle startup or your handbags or your shoes or your jewelry or your protein powder or your gym clothes or whatever it is you do in in the DTC space. If your influencer marketing model looks today the way it looked three years ago, then that's probably the problem, right? I don't think influencer marketing is going away. I think bad influencer marketing is going away. Do you know what I mean? So you have to be good at it. I see, not to name other brands, but I see some huge brands out there doing some unbelievable influencer marketing right now that I know without seeing the numbers is super super effective. So it's there to be had. I just don't think it was as easy as it was, you know, a couple of years back. So the headline is. Influencer marketing is not getting worse, bad influencer marketing is getting worse. That's the that's the takeaway. There.
0: Bad influencer marketing is becoming more apparent because <laughs> people yep, are getting exactly. smarter. Yeah, yep, absolutely. absolutely. So speaking of expanding mm-hmm. and getting bigger and better. So Gymshark is very much a mature brand in the UK and the US, but are you guys looking to expand into other markets?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have some key focuses like Germany and Australia. Mm-hmm. A intern was recently doing a piece of work, I'm not sure what it was, and wanted to know when did Gymshark enter the USA. Somebody suggested to them, oh, Noel's over there. He'll know the answer to that question. You know, he's been around a while. Go and ask him. So this young lady comes up to me. She says, "Uh, Noel, I'm doing this piece of work. When did Gymshark enter the USA? And I sort of sat there and thought about it for a second. And it was like, we never weren't in the USA. Like, nor did we enter Germany, nor did we enter Australia. Like, we just went interest first and platform first, right? So we are in the fitness space on YouTube or the fitness space on Facebook or the fitness space on Instagram. We used to, Our geo was the internet, right? And anybody who bought it, we'd send it to them. Do you know what I mean? So it just organically grew in the areas where there was people involved in those interests. And I really enjoy that as well. That sort of, that marketing through people's interests as opposed to their 25 to 35 they earn x thousand a year and they you know drive a bmw or whatever else it might be because i strongly believe that a bodybuilder in california and a bodybuilder in london have more in common than a bodybuilder in california and a accountant who does squash in california do you know what i mean so i think marketing via geo and you know the old school way of thinking about target demographics i don't know it's just not a very gymshark way of doing things we've definitely got interest first and also sort of platform first as well so gymshark is in a ton of countries i think the ones that you guys would be aware of is just the countries where it's really taken off right and we're now working to just understand like i mentioned earlier about music cultures better and subcultures you know how does the the bodybuilding culture operate in france how does the bodybuilding culture operate in netherlands and scandinavia and so on and so forth And then as we can better understand them and better appeal to those guys, and then I imagine we'll see a natural uplift there. And the consumers will shape what geos we're in. I've been quoted many, many times saying, Gymshark aren't good marketeers, we're good listeners. And I think that's just another form of that, right? Like, where do people want us? And we'll turn up in those places and we'll try and improve the value proposition in those places. And again, as always with Gymshark, we'll sort of be led by the community.
0: Absolutely. I love that quote of yours that we're not great marketeers, we're great listeners. And there's a difference. Speaking of which, how do you guys keep your finger on the pulse of what people want when you have literally millions of voices to listen to?
1: It is tough. And I think we all come at it from different ways, right? We have the data and insights team here at Gymshark who will do uh, representative example dips, brand dips every quarter, stuff like that. Like me personally, I search the word Gymshark on Twitter all the time, right? Like 6 a.m. First thing I do when I open my eyes, head over to Twitter search Gymshark not at Gymshark because that's people talking to us right and you know how people say it's not what people say about you when you're in the room that's important it's when you're not in the room so when they don't put the at at the beginning and they're just talking about the brand those are the conversations I want to see so I personally read a lot of them a lot of reoccurring issues that are going to become bigger issues you see them build up on social media first right I see one comment saying that oh, I'm not a big fan of that thing that they did then I see a couple more comments, then a couple more. Lo and behold, in, in a quarter, when our data team do a big brand dip of a, of a representative example, they find that problem comes up, right? And you can spot those things early. And, it, you know, in anybody who owns a brand out there who's ever had any kind of backlash will tell you, it takes 10 people to cause chaos in the comments on your Instagram feed, right? So you can spot this stuff kind of early. And I think we all come at it from different ways. The really important bit, though, is trying to sort of embrace the humility in the fact that When Ben Francis, our founder, started this, he was a 19-year-old scratching his own itch, right? He was like, I want to be a bodybuilder. I want cool bodybuilding clothes. I'll make them. And it just so happened some other kids out there felt the same way. And, you know, here we are today. Trying to embrace humility and say, no, you're on the wrong side of turning 30, right? So you're not those cool kids anymore. And the sooner we understand that, the better (laughs) and employ the cool kids and they can tell us what it is we should be doing. Do you know what I mean? I have a few members of my team who I constantly sense check myself with to be like, am I being an old white guy about this? Can I just check this with you? Is that cool or not? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and my team are very quick to call me out and say, yeah, you really are, Noel. That's whack. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's a plethora of different things we really do that keeps us on the pulse, but it seems to be working. So won't change it just yet.
0: I love that. It's so true. I'm also in my 30s and I'm like, all the millennials are elder millennials now. Mm-hmm. We just have to accept it. It's fine. My knees hurt. I'm I'm into it. (laughs) To me, Gymshark is so well known for being an incredibly agile and incredibly modern brand. And you, you guys actually have like kind of a brand, uh, was it a social disruption team, right? Is that what they're called?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you one one of the things that they've done, which you wouldn't even notice Mm -hmm. talking about us being like a younger brand If you go onto our Twitter, you'll Mm. notice that we don't put any capitalization on the start of anything because that generation just don't. It's the way they type, right? I didn't even realize that until somebody else pointed it out to me on Twitter and said, testament to how well Gymshark speak their audience's language. Look at their grammar on Twitter. It's horrible. But that's because that's how their audience (laughs) talk on TikTok as well. Anyway, kudos to the social disruption team for making that happen. That's very, very cool.
0: So true. Mm-hmm. And what made you guys decide to have a social disruption team rather than kind of a, a standard, everybody does a content plan and it goes out the next month sort of situation?
1: No, so we still have those teams. We have the social teams whose, whose job it is to plan and God bless them. Those guys mm-hmm. work super hard and have done forever at Gymshark and are responsible for most of the growth you know, of our big social media followings until sort of recently. But then when we found it was getting harder and harder, we found the ideas that did cut through the noise became less and less because people are getting bogged down in strategy and planning and so on and so forth so it's just about giving people the room and the remit to be like right you don't have to worry about the schedule this week or the or the UGC or the anything else your job is to cut through the noise right because that's what we've done historically and we need to remain on that you know like finger on the balls on that hockey stick make sure we can still do that I'd love to take credit for the idea of the social disruption team it wasn't it was my head of social Alfred Samba right um, so big shout out to Alfred, but the, he he's the leader of that team, and he was the one who came up with this social disruption idea. But yeah, and again, that's full of that's full of people way younger, way cooler, way smarter than me when it comes to social media. In fact, you may or may not have seen this. You and me are literally live in the eye of the storm right now, as we had a bit of a viral moment yesterday, where one of the guys in that team gave a proposal to me and Alfred about during Black Friday week, which obviously we're in right now, when everyone's ramping up their spend and it's really hard to stand out. And the goal of that team, again, is to cut through the noise. It was like, right, we want to go on to Cameo, where obviously you pay celebrities to write messages to people, like to your friend Dave or whatever else it might be. We want to go on to Cameo, change our name to Jim, J-I-M space Shark, because they were an individual called Jim Shark, <laughs> and have all these celebrities wish us a happy birthday, right? And I just loved it. And the PR story of Jim Shark tricked these celebrities into endorsing the brand by wishing a happy birthday to Jim Shark, I thought was so great. So anyway, did that, went out yesterday. We've got Kevin from The Office USA. We've got Draco Malfoy. We've got Carol Baskin. We've got Andy from Fire Festival. We've got all these huge TikTokers, all these different names. Shouting out to Jim Shark, right, and then obviously the post goes up. We talked about the fact that hey we prank these celebrities and blah, blah blah anyway it's it's just I've just logged onto LinkedIn about like half an hour before this, and it's absolutely everywhere and everybody's all all the usual sort of LinkedIn celebs who do a lot of high engaging stuff are like Jim Shark smash it again with this amazing new black Friday campaign blah blah blah. so again, like during a week where a lot of traditional marketing is ramping up and it's really hard to stand out, Jim Sharker cutting through the noise again. And again, with I mean, it takes a lot of people to pull off an idea like that, but it's that sort of thinking that comes from our social disruption team that can give us that one little seed and then we can blow it up into this other thing um, that seems to work really well. So this is the exclusive interview post the cameo activation.
0: Oh, man. And are you going to get in trouble for <laughs> this disruptive activation?
1: <laughs> listen, I think if brands don't drop into a little bit of trouble every now and again, they're probably not being disruptive enough. Do you know what I mean? You're never going to please everyone. I don't know if you know the song, When I'm Cleaning Windows, George Thornby?
0: No, it doesn't ring a bell.
1: No. Anyway, I'm going to
0: need a recital.
1: <laughs> like in your British grandma's grandma's grandma, listen to it, right? And it's this really old cheesy song. Um, and again, by the way, notice I'm going back to the music industry one of the best things that happened to that song in order to make it such a viral hit, right, at the time, bear in mind this is like the advent of the radio was, the song was banned from the BBC. Now, to anybody in this generation, you think, what, that old grandma song, really light-hearted guy about a window cleaner? Well, at the time, obviously, the BBC was very fancy. It was the British Broadcasting Service. And this idea of a window cleaner who's peering in through windows and seeing women getting undressed and all these different things that he sees during his day as a window cleaner was like a lewd and you know crass thing so they banned it from the BBC but guess what happens when you ban it right everybody wants to hear the song that's been banned from the BBC right and there's a bunch of there's a smack my bitch up there's a bunch of examples like that right so just a touch of trouble every now and again, a tiny little bit of hot water. can't be a bad thing. If Liz, our chief legal officer, is listening to this podcast, then I didn't say any of that. And Liz, I promise, i fall in line every single time. That was
0: a very good Noel Mack impersonator who just said that <laughs> statement. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that is exactly why people admire Gymshark so much, because you guys are willing to take the risk to Build that loyalty and that trust and that sense of humanity with your customers by perhaps alienating some more uh, sticklers on these social platforms.
1: And what's great is like Andy from Fire Festival saw it and commented like, "Oh wow, you guys got me. This was great." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think when people see that nobody was being mean to anyone, nobody was punching up or down mm. or anything like that. It was just a light-hearted thing. It's just a silly little yeah. yeah. Like so, the, yeah. I think he was the top comment with the most likes, being like, "You guys got me. Love this." Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm I'm happy mm. with that.
0: Yeah, and that energy is just total Gymshark Shark energy. And you guys have had have been so true to that, that brand identity for so long. I know that um, in terms of for our listeners who are maybe founders that are generally kind of small to mid-size, passionate early adopters can be basically make or break your brand. So where did you guys find those fanatical few who really took the Gymshark brand and were like, I'm a self-appointed brand ambassador for this?
1: We were them. Like, this is the thing, right? Like, So Ben is now held up as this like one, and he says this himself, right? Ben is now held up as this like Richard Branson of the next generation or, you know, insert entrepreneur here. Ben's held up as this astounding businessman. And he says it himself. He was like, I was just a kid that wanted bodybuilding clothes. And it just so happened that there was a bunch of other kids that also wanted bodybuilding clothes, right? I was just just scratching my own itch. If somebody else had made Gymshark two weeks before, Ben would have just been a customer and a fanatical customer. Do you know what I mean? all that was happening was there was an underserved community, like a subculture that was emerging and nobody had stood up and represented them yet. Ben did that. It was like, you know, pouring gas on a fire. He just went from there. And like you say, those people became, at the first ever event where it really went crazy, those people were like crazy fans trying to get their hand on the product. I think Ben even enlisted the help of some of them because it was going that wild and the money was coming in. I'm fairly sure he said to me like, right, you come here. Take money, give out products. I'll pay you something afterwards, just do it. Do you know what I mean? And loads of people did. There's a Gymshark customer who was at that event, right? And since that day, he posted every mm-hmm. single day consecutively wearing Gymshark for, okay, well, today he's on day 2,333.
0: Oh, Lord. He's posted on wow. his Instagram
1: page every single day since that day wearing an item of Gymshark clothing. Like, How wild is that? So you want to talk about like fanatic customers then become ambassadors. He's absolutely one. Then in a very sort of, in a very real becoming ambassador thing, on like the, on day, I don't know what it was. Let's say it was day 1950. We invited him up to the office under the pretext of hanging out with us and having a chat and whatever else. And we actually made this guy, Graham, a full-time Gymshark ambassador. So he's now sponsored by the brand. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's just like like you say. Those guys in in the early days, if you can if you can create those fanatics around you, then through osmosis, you know, the the best form of marketing mm-hmm. is you know, you tell one person, they tell ten, each of those tell ten, each of those tell ten, and you know, it's like it's like compound interest on a chessboard. It just goes it just goes crazy from there, and that's something we've definitely benefited from.
0: Yeah, I mean, two thousand days of wearing the same brand you you couldn't buy that sort of loyalty. <laughs> That is just purely bread.
1: That's my party trick of pulling yeah. my phone out on any given day and going, right, as of today, he's on and then mm. doing that and people see it. <laughs> wild, wild.
0: Well, I'm glad that you guys made him an official ambassador because he was definitely dressing for the job that he wanted.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: 100%. Speaking of engagement and the fact that you guys are so online first, of course, we mm-hmm. have to talk about the pandemic mm-hmm. and how... Obviously, it affected everyone, but e-commerce saw huge shifts. Very much, so many businesses grew. I think the last stat I saw from Shopify was we saw five years of growth in in one year. Yeah, but yeah, I think that also customers have grown and changed so much. Are you seeing a different attitude and a different um, different values from your customers than than they had before COVID went down?
1: Potentially, yes. I think that I don't know about you, right? But I personally learned a lot about my life and myself in lockdown.
0: Totally.
1: I didn't realize how much I enjoyed just going out for a walk, right? I didn't realize how beautiful the area in a one mile radius of my house was. Like, I was so busy just being busy. I didn't notice so many of these things. The other thing that came out a lot is the sense of community, right? We were all struggling all in it together. I personally started like nodding at my neighbor when I walked outside or the neighbors I walked past in the street. No idea why, right? Because I've been walking past these people for years, but all of a sudden we had this combined struggle together. We all knew what this thing was that we were up against and this sense of community sort of started. So I think that has lasted and I think people are a little bit more community centric, right? There's that old saying that a society grows great when men plant trees, the shade of which they'll never sit in, right? like helping out your fellow man and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's a message Jim Shark's been preaching for quite a while. Anyway, right? Community, to go further, we go together, all this kind of stuff. So I think the lasting effects of COVID and the way that's played out, I think, and again, I'm shooting from the hip here, I have zero data to back this up. I think that kind of played into our hands, you know? And I just think that grander sense of community and what we can achieve together is so much more. I think that worked quite well for us. And again, to talk actual quantitative metrics some of the engagement we've seen from some of the stuff we've done on social since then would support that theory as well so yeah i think it was a it was a really interesting time i was i was super proud of the way we responded to the pandemic the message i gave to my team was i copied it from the irish Taoiseach, who's the leader the leader of ireland for those who don't know uh, who said let them say of us when times were at their worst we were at our best and I said that to the team on the first day of lockdown and I'm very proud to say that I think we absolutely did that and, and plenty of people, plenty of podcasts, plenty of keynotes we've done, plenty of interviews and so on and so forth with me and my colleagues. People have commented on how well they think Gymshark sort have of adapted and flexed to the pandemic and turned up for the customers when they needed to be turned up for. So yeah, super happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys did the whole home Shark thing, pure agility. You can't do that if you have 20 people that are. you have to run past and ask if uh, if it's okay.
1: 100%. That was, a, again, another oh. much younger, much cooler person than me saying, This is going to be a cool idea. <laughs> I was thinking, Yeah, well, it sounds pretty cool to me. They did it. And it's our first Instagram post that got over a million likes, right? Again, all those people at that time were united in a common struggle, right? The whole Home Shark idea of changing our name to Home Shark was we changed our name to Home Shark because some of you guys needed reminding to stay at home because everybody was flouting the lockdown rules, right? And people were like, opening undercover gyms and stuff like that and the fact that that was relevant to everyone the day we posted that right not just a select few it wasn't just no i'm not really into that when you have everybody united staring at one thing and you can capitalize then you know that's when you can cut through the noise and there's a great opportunity there to go back to what i said at the beginning you can't move for seeing adele right now and adele's new album right so people who are creating memes about her it's no surprise that those memes are absolutely flying because so many people are united in a in a fierce love for adele's heartbreak songs <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. In terms of kind of incorporating the culture of your audience into your own brand story, I think it was 2015, you guys had your um, Black Friday outage that ended up costing the then fledgling company $143,000 in sales, which is more than many people will see in sales. (laughs) But uh, obviously it uh, was a huge loss. And I feel like a lot of brands would have that experience and be like, we're never doing that again. We're never running another sale ever in our lives. But you guys really bounced back. And now you have one of the most anticipated Black Friday events, if not the most anticipated Black Friday events in the D2C space. So how did you guys take that painful moment and turn it into a part of the brand story instead of kind of shunning away from it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree that if you speak to our friends at Shopify, that we're definitely the most anticipated Black Friday event. Um, they've got, you know, there's, plenty, there's plenty of grey hair. dreaded. Out. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of grey hair in that building now thanks <laughs> to our Black Friday campaign. But mm. going back to what we said at the beginning, right? The problem was that the the e-commerce platform we were on at the time couldn't handle the demand. But again, go back to what I said: we're good listeners, not good marketeers. The the strain that went on the website showed the customers want this, right? There was a need for it, so. It's not a, sorry, guys, we're not going to do it again. If that's what they're calling for from us, we have to find a way to make it happen. Thankfully, that way was Shopify Plus, right? There's a little plug there. and I'm expecting some commission from the guys at <laughs> Shopify. Now I'm just joking. But <laughs> thankfully, the answer to that was Shopify Plus and all the support that they've given us over the years to be able to get to a point where we could meet the demand of our community, even since then, hasn't always gone exactly to plan. But the important thing... There's that really cheesy quote, right? And it's from Rocky. So bear with me. Which is, it isn't how hard you hit; it's how hard you get hit and keep moving forwards. But I think we're, I think we're good at that. Like we take l's a lot, and we take them squarely on the chin, and we own up. We're honest where we're not good. And the, the tact has always been to give a very human response. That year you're talking about when it all went south, Ben, our founder again, who's now this this icon of e-commerce excellence sat in our boardroom in our little office our little startup office and wrote apology cards to every single staff member who had a, a less than ideal experience during that time and even since then a couple of years ago similar thing website fell over we can't scale a handwritten letter idea but first thing ben did jump on his instagram story and he's like like for those Gymshark customers who happen to follow me i'm so sorry about what's happened but like, we're working as fast as we can to get it done doing that versus some corporate pr statement from your publicist or your we endeavour to you know what I mean some real just corporate <laughs> message. It's just not gonna it's just not gonna hit the same way. Whereas thank
0: you for your feedback. Exactly, yeah.
1: When it's another <laughs> yeah. human, you can see that, oh man, these guys genuinely mm-hmm. are on a journey and they genuinely are trying to improve this situation for us. Our community have always turned up for us and always, you know, okay, understand. Like and then, you know, they've been very understanding. We've tried to do right by them when we've gone wrong. And yeah, I think if you approach it with a really human message, you'd be surprised at how many people are really reciprocative to that.
0: Absolutely. And I think that to circle back to kind of culture and tastemakers and how inspired you are by the music industry and what you do, do you have any brands or even artists that you are being inspired by or jealous of lately in terms of their reach? I know you've mentioned Adele, Lil Nas X. Who are you looking to, to be like, this person has their finger on the pulse?
1: Um, Lil Nas X, 100%, like unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Again, the Adele thing where they got the guy to come out and propose, at the Griffith Observatory, they knew full well that was just going to be a viral social media thing, right? That was their upper funnel awareness to drag people further down the funnel to watch the full concert, 100%. That was calculated and surreptitious. and I absolutely love it, right? (laughs) Yeah, right now, those those are the two, the most relevant ones I can give you. Brand-wise, someone said to me the other day, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but someone (laughs) said to me the other day, Noel, who's your favorite e-commerce brand? And I thought about it for a second, and I was like, I think it's Tesla. And again, people certainly don't think about that. But yeah, but when you think about it, like most people are ordering their cars on on the website, they don't ever see it, and it Mm -hmm. just turns up one day. Like the other thing to go and check out is- That's trust. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And the other thing to check out is how many clicks it takes to order a Tesla. It is wildly small, right? Now, if you're listening to this and you have a, homemade candle brand or whatever else, I implore you to compare the amount of clicks it takes to buy one of your candles to what it takes to buy a whole car, <laughs> because I, I really think you'd be surprised. So yeah, brands, Tesla, music artists, Lil Nas X and Adele.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Tesla isn't often spoken about because it's not like they're out here publishing their case studies about, oh, this SMS we sent out got so much reach. <laughs> they just have that cultural capital. Yeah. They don't need to brag about it.
1: <laughs> exactly. I don't think Elon's going to be doing that anytime soon.
0: I mean, who knows what that guy's going to (laughs) do. And yeah. And um, what moment are you most proud of in your time at Gymshark?
1: There's two moments I'm really proud of at Gymshark, neither of which I'm at liberty to talk about because they were internal things. (laughs) And to reveal them to the world would really ruin the magic of them. There's a couple of truly beautiful things that we've done as a company, as an entire business, as a brand, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it that one to five people in the world it meant the absolute world that the business did that for them but the problem is the second somebody talks about it then it's going to look like a marketing stunt which it definitely wasn't right yeah, we, did yeah. it, we did it from a true place of wanting to do it for these people mm. so I can't talk about those which is a crap answer
0: so it's just <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't, I don't, having yeah.
0: that um that space to kind of have that human kindness having those resources I think so it's yeah. such an amazing thing
1: I wrote on my Instagram a little while ago. I put a picture with some of the guys who benefited from it out the front. And I wrote, some of the best things we've ever done as this business, you will never ever hear about. But isn't it cooler that way? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I said, yeah. to those few people, I know it means the world. So yeah, that's, it's a bad answer. But I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Again, if you're a business owner, maybe you can be inspired by that and do something really cool for a person out there.
0: Yeah. This is the thing. It has to be a secret so that the other business owners are like, well, I have to one up whatever that was.
1: <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> maybe we can start this like one upmanship of like really kind gestures.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) And yeah, um, a final question, since we've been talking so much about journeys, what is your number one travel destination?
1: I went to Bali a few years ago and it was, I think it was, I think it was a perfect storm of the perfect time in my life to go there and my partner's life at the time as well. The perfect time for Bali to be a great place. We went to the perfect destination. I'm not really a drinker, I'm not into like partying or anything like that. We went to this little area called Uluwatu, which is all about yoga and surfing. By 10 PM, everything's closed, but everybody's up at 5 AM just trying to get out there, be fit, become a better version of themselves. It was just idyllic landscapes and stuff like that. And it was just a great time in our life to go there. So much so I've never gone back to Bali and never would because (laughs) it's on such a pedestal now for me. I don't want to go back there and ruin it. Do you know what I mean? So Again, yeah. like the thing I said about that, didn't want to expose it because it was a great moment for those people. Bali and that mm-hmm. couple of weeks I spent there is what it is. And I'm happy with that. And I don't think I'll ever go back. But yeah, yeah that, that doesn't was, need a sequel.
0: Yeah. These, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. Well, Noel, thank you so much for joining me on D2C Journey.
1: Thank you very much, man. This was an honor. Best of luck with the rest of the podcast as well. And again, thank you for the donation.
0: Great. Thank you so much for participating. And, um, I'm so glad that we could link up like this. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and learning more about your approach. Thank you, all of our listeners. And I'm Dacia Lutova. I'll see you next time.